live ah, I've just got a notification saying this meeting has been live streamed. Uh, slick introduction there from first BBB pod of 2022, as smooth as ever. Just the nine minutes technical delay there, but we are back. It's uh, good to be back, isn't it? It's, uh, ah, it's lovely. I think good. the little of January has done us a bit of a favour. It's just given us a bit more time to get our heads around what's going on and obviously all the stuff. I think a bit late now to sort of recap 2021 because. There seems to be the ball rolling for 2022 already, doesn't it? Like we're back up and running and um, basically just about to get underway with everything that's coming in the rest of this year. I'm going to let you decide where you want to start. There's a lot to get through. <laughs> we're going to try and keep it concise and accurate. Right. We'll see how we get on. No, no, as you say, it's good to be back. Um, you know, finished 2021 with a bit of a flourish for, uh, well, flourish for our standards. You know, I think we combined with three shows in December, but then, as you said, like a few, you know, personal things. I know you've obviously had a, uh, a son, so congratulations on the, on the birth of your, of your child. Uh, and then, you know, then I got COVID and then, you know, here we are. <laughs> congratulations on that, no? Uh, so, like, second time. Uh, but, so it's took us a while to sort of get back in the groove, but it's, as you say, this lull in UK boxing's uh, just sort of helped get, head, you know, our heads around the schedule and upcoming fights and sort of, uh, you know, instead of diving straight back into it, it's just gives a chance to cast our eyes over the sort of coming months. So, um, I without further ado, let's let's go for it. We might as well start with where should we start? Do you want to start with the zones schedule? Or yeah, go for it. Big, um, might as well start with the zone from the top, like, well, I from mean... the top, the top has sort of been, I guess, skimmed off on it, um, with the sort of postponement of uh of Vargas v Smith, which was meant to kick off their schedule on the fifth of Feb. So um I think Vargas schedule. So yeah I so obviously Vargas has tested positive for COVID so the zone won't be starting on the fifth of Feb now I don't believe um so it's they're gonna go straight to the twelfth with um Danny Jacobs v John Ryder, a fight that I, that I quite like, to be honest with you. Um, Friday night fight at the Ali Pali in London, obviously a venue that Matchroom have got a lot of familiarity with um, with the darts. So maybe it's a new one on boxing uh, for them. But I could fight that. It feels like John Ryder's been knocking at the door for, for a while now for, for a big fight. And um, and he's got one in, in Danny Jacobs. Um, I guess a man that hasn't looked his best recently but and I guess you know coming over here coming to the UK which is a bit of a turnaround really it's usually the Brits that have to go to the States to get these fights um, maybe it's a sort of signal of intent from John Ryder and a fight that I'm sure he believes he can, uh, he can win so I like that one Friday night Ryder Jacobs February the 12th gets to zone underway about a month's time I I think it, it's interesting you mentioned there like obviously the um like the venue because that shouldn't really make much difference but it does give a slightly different spin on it, doesn't it? Like, mm. if Ryder was going out to the States to face Jacob, you'd think, oh, it's it's almost like he's just that, he's going over as that opponent. It's it's getting Jacob to fight to stay active and to keep busy. But he's maybe not the fight we once was. Ryder, yeah. seemingly, I don't want to say this harshly, but he's almost living off that um, the Callum Smith loss in that he, he gave him a really good performance and arguably in many people's eyes won that fight. He's then at the point where, like, now the fact that it's in his hometown, it's in London, and, and Jacobs is the one coming over, it's almost like, right, we'll match him back and ride a little bit here. I know they, they do promote Jacobs as well, but it just flipped that round a little bit, and it, it gives a bit of intrigue to it. It makes you maybe think a little bit differently about how the fight could go, and it's it's one of the fights that they've announced. It's one of the, the cards, and it's... It's one of those reasons that I will be renewing my own subscription um, starting probably February, I think. It's, it wasn't... <laughs> right on the, on the drop. But like, no, it is. It's, it's, I think with something like this, we, we've talked about it at length and it's always going to be that accumulative effect of what boxing do they have, like what sort of schedule have they got. It's no good just announcing one fight here and there and one card here and there and, and hoping that you're going to sign up and, and get involved and you know what I mean like I think on its own it's, it's a good fight I think 
in addition to everything else they put together, it's it's part of a, a decent looking schedule for the zone, and it's it's shame obviously with Smith and Vargas, but it is a to fight that I can say, yeah, I can you know, it, it will help you sort of see where the the lay of the land is in terms of the, the super middleweight division and does Ryder have what it takes to get, you know, a, a top level win on his record? Is Jacobs still at that top level? There's a few questions and, and that's generally what I want from a main event. I want something where there's a case for it being a competitive fight and something at stake and it's definitely got it for me. It's, it's a good fight and one I'm looking forward to. No, I agree with you there. I think um, I let you see the questions like Jacobs didn't look great last time out against Fasado. Ryder's basically been keeping busy since since the Callum Smith fight back in 2019. Um, um, is he on the on the card ones? I think he'd be, be my guy. But you know, just looking there, and I think I'm surprised that John Ryder's actually got five defeats on his on his record. Um, can you name the five? Not off the top of my head. Um... <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders was earlier on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was the one I could think of. Billy Joe Saunders, I. Callum Smith. Yeah, and that's I couldn't think of the other ones. Controversially. Yeah. Um, Did he beat Nick Blackwell? No, Nick Blackwell beat him. That was one I remember watching. I couldn't remember exactly how it had gone. That was obviously in my head somewhere. Yeah. There's three losses out of the five. Yeah. The other two, because we haven't got all night, were. Jack Arnfield in 2016 um, and Rocky Fielding in 2017 for the British title. So but again, he's and you. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna dissect his record, are we? But like, no, no. That's almost the sort of the risk of taking these hard fights. And if you speak to John, the boxer, he will mm. no doubt tell you all he's learned from those losses and from those defeats. But in terms of his reputation and, and his profile. He's probably been a lot harder to push because he's got those defeats on his record, and that'll contribute to him maybe not generating as much interest as his ability deserves. And it's in you know the same with Jacobs, three defeats on there. But then you know there was a point a few years ago where he was looking really good, like you know he's performed well against Golovkin and the Dovichenko fight, sort of went in there against Canelo. You know, he never disgraced himself. And it's but I think it's just that last fight against Rosado where. She didn't look great, and you know, is he one of the fighters that's been through a lot and aged overnight? But as you say, who knows? And I think this fight with John Ryder now will tell us exactly, you know, what Jacobs has got left. If you're going off sort of resumes and who they've been in with in pedigree, then you know, Jacobs should be a winner. But I don't know, I'm not too sure, mate. I'm not too sure. Be interesting to see some odds for that one, but no, a very good fight for them. And I don't know, there's something about Friday night that I quite like just. Don't know, a bit of a change up from Saturday. I don't know why that is, but no, uh, 12th of Feb, that one. Um, undercard, I think you've got Felix Cash on there, Cyrus Pattinson, Ellie Scottney all on there as well. So maybe Johnny Fisher as well. So I, and I think I will join you and resubscribe to the zone because I'm quite enthused by this early schedule. I did sort of cancel at some point towards the back end of last year, I think, and just, just wasn't getting the value for it, wasn't watching it enough, but. Again, that's a whole podcast in itself, but uh, I do feel a bit more enthused this year and try and be positive. So I think I'll join you in, uh, you know, putting that back in on February the 11th, maybe it's the night before. <laughs> um, I think they have come out and um, like fired some shots, to be honest, yeah. because they've like there's this definite signal of intent. You know what I mean? They've clearly been working on this for a while, putting the things together. And I looked at the schedule and it was like, oh, there's a fight that week. There's a fight. There's a show that week. Yeah. Well, interested in that one and if you're putting on like four five six different cards and i'm interested in four of them over the a couple of months that like i've made my mind up i didn't sort of formally sat and decided this but that was enough for me to be like oh yeah actually that's going to be worth me me eight quid a month and yeah I, you, you can't argue with the value of that i mean obviously some people will there's a certainly will and as long as, like, as you say, it's a whole other an hour right on top of it, isn't it? If we're going to talk about the value of boxing oh, in 2022 right. and all the rest of it, but for me, that's going to be worth it. And well, hopefully, well, fingers crossed that majority of them happen and we get a couple of good months of really competitive boxing. No, absolutely right. We quick keep quickly keep going through these. Um, we won't do everyone, but another one that stands out for me, and I know it does for you, we've just been talking about it before we came on there live, was uh. It was Lee Wood versus Michael Conlon. Um, a huge fan of both of them. Those guys, personally, like I think that uh, I really, you know, 
both really top fighters and, and good good fellas as well. And like that Lee Wood is it's just it. It's another one of those stories that from time to time British boxing just throws up um, you know, these sort of Cinderella men that have been around a, a while, you know, around sort of that British level and uh, you know, had defeats, had some setbacks, and you know, maybe he's got to the point where we're going to chuck it in. I'm thinking names along like Maxi Hughes, Jason Cunningham. Do you know what I mean? And he's another one of that old school British lot, you know, like who've been around a long time, and he's he's took his big chance when it was in front of him, and he beat Jukan Kanzu, and look at him now. You know what I mean? He's headlining on zone. He's a form of a world title. We're good. We're looking at that because again, haven't got all night, and he's fighting. You know, he's fighting Mick Conlon, another fighter who's you know supremely talented fighter um, and it's someone we've had on this podcast before and I think that'll make for a cracking fight I think it's it's long since been in the works and uh, it's nice to have a date on that one now and uh, it should be a should be a cracking cracking night cracking atmosphere as well because you know these Belfast fans travelled over we've experienced that before with Frampton so that should be a should be a hell of a night that one yeah I 100% agree with everything you said that we're rattling through these but I think with that one, there's again those question marks are there of, of yeah who's who's going to have the advantages going in. Like where is that fight going to be won and lost? There is a, a genuine case for both men, and I talked about it earlier. I talked about it till the cows come home. Like a competitive main event at that high level, you can't ask for more than that. And from your your regular boxing content, as long as this is maintained and it becomes a regular thing got no issue with that and again you hinted at the label of the WBA title the regular title whatever one version it is there's there's politics at play there as they always seem to be in boxing but for those two it's you know a genuine world title fight in it's a competitive tough fight for both men you can make a case especially after his recent performance that Lee would be too big too strong have too much yeah. power if you're going to go on the sort of speed and the skill element you might think Conlon we'll hopefully get ourselves a bit more regular content in the coming weeks and we'll do a bit more in-depth predictions as the boxing sort of comes and ebbs and flows. But I'll sit on the fence for now with it. But it's, again, you if you're just looking at that headline fight, that's one that you think, yep, ticks a box for me. It's, it's one I'm interested in watching. Wouldn't say I've got particularly vested interest other than being a bit of a fan of, of like, both boxers really, but I suppose mm-hmm. Conlon more so. Like, it just, it's a good fight. And, I feel a bit of a hypocrite because because I do generally like like both boxers and have a bit of a soft spot for them. But with that WBA regular belt, like the super title of Santa Cruz or whatever, should have been stripped and vacated a long, long time ago. So I've got less of an issue with them claiming this one as a genuine world title fight. Yeah. The spin on that and the hype coming up to it won't bother me as much because I do see like there's no reason why this shouldn't be for the, the WBA featherweight title. And it's an intriguing bout as well. It's, it's yeah, There's yeah. a lot of question marks about Conlon in particular, I think. Because every time he fights, you see the same sort of criticisms thrown and the same questions asked, mainly about his power and will yeah. he be able to handle himself at that higher level. Now, you can throw it back and ask maybe easily, would at that particular high level, like, is he an elite boxer that's going to pose those problems based on his last performance. You only as good as your previous performance. 100% yes. Like, it was his skill and his power. It was a combination of those two factors that won him the fight against Kanzu and won him it in like devastating fashion. So another one that we, again, did discuss it a little bit beforehand as well. It's Wood's hometown, a massive opportunity for him. He's gone from losing fights at domestic level, not dissimilar to John Ryder that we've already discussed. And he's taken the opportunity. And that's what Ryder's going to be looking at against Jacobs. It's going to be that similar level of thing. If he gets that win, he suddenly catapulted himself into the a genuine world title, world level position, however you want to define it. And gone from like losing British level to being absolutely a world champion of sorts headline in your hometown like within two or three fights it's, it's come out of nowhere for him and like long may it continue from his point of view obviously Conlon's not going to be thinking that and like Adam Booth and Ben Davison are going to be going up against each other there's that element to it the trainers who's going to have the best game plan on the night it's 
it really is a, a fascinating one. It's arguably the highlight of the um the schedule so far. Yeah, I really I really like it. Uh, I totally agree with you there. Like um you sort of you've already answered the question I had lined up for you, and that was you know the question marks, I guess people do question Conlon and you know and which you could you could argue it's harsh, you know what I mean? Like he hasn't really put that much of a foot wrong yet in the in the pros, but I guess that's uh it's what you say. It's it's whether does he have that strength, that power Sort of sit down on I think shot. a lot of Everything, the criticism you know? comes from his age as well because he obviously yeah. had a very, very lengthy amateur career and obviously a very successful amateur career as well. Yeah. And then to turn over sort of at the age he did, I want to say like late mid to late 20s, it gives you that little bit, not necessarily of an uphill battle, but it means that you are going to have to do things at a quicker pace. Like There's plenty of younger prospects who will have had a similar amount of fights and won't be at the level that he's at. Yeah. But you sort of, because of the fanfare he had turning pro and, and the age he is, you're thinking, right, like, want to see him in there with a, you know, a, a genuine world-level contender or champion at some point soon. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily taken longer than anyone no, no. anticipated. But you think, that, well, obviously Rio 2016, he competed and turned pro a little after that. That's You're pushing sort of five years or so and, He's now in his thirties. It's not mm. like he's got that much longer to to wait. I don't. I, I don't think that's particularly like he's not past it by any means. But I think it's everyone expected things to happen at maybe at a, at a yeah. faster pace. I think it's like it's surprising to you know for me to see sort of sixteen fights on there. Do you know what I mean? On his on his slate and like he went on that on that roadshow, didn't he? When he turned over, sort of appeasing the sort of. Well, not appeasing, but you know what I mean. Sort of in front of the Irish fans all around the globe. Really, he was in New York, he was in Australia, he was in Chicago. You know, and he sort of went through the sort of Madison Square Garden phase. I think you know, I fought there quite a lot. And then, but he sort of seems to have settled down. You know, he came over here. I think he, he beat like Jason Cunningham, and then he went on from that. Really, and the last two opponents, I watched him against Baluta. I thought he was really good that night. And you know, he has showed some spite in there against not the best people like Takush and people like that. And yeah, beat TJ Doney last time. And I guess with him, you know, you know, he'll fancy it. I'm sure he will. You know, that Olympic pedigree, that amateur pedigree probably still gives him a psychological edge. Do you know what I mean? He'll believe in himself and he'll fancy that he can beat Lee Wood. Absolutely. I've got no doubts about that. But I just, I, like you say, Lee Wood, he's looked good. And even even in defeat, like Jesse Dickens and that, he was he was decent. And, you know, um, he, looked, he looked sort of strong and strong in the weight. And, it's going to be an interesting fight, that. But it's a one I'm very much looking forward to. It's got that sort of, you know, England, Ireland thing going on. And it's, you know, like I said before, those Conlon fans are travelling in great numbers. Um, aye, no no issues. Glad it's happened and really like the fight. Good one. And from that one, I want to go jump ahead a little bit to Martinez Warrington too. We mm. will, like I will anyway, talk about Ortiz McKinson at some point. Probably when we go into the Connor Bay. Yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll do what like, I just think well we're talking about that featherweight division. It is amazing if you go back to that Wood Dickens fight, how much the world title scene has shifted around between British fighters as well, which is obviously fantastic yeah. to see. Like it just like feels like you're going from one to the other in terms of the momentum shifting. Like there's not one fighter has been able to sort of stake a claim and put a few defenses together and sort of say like I'm the man at, the, at this division. Like, and on the one hand, it's it's almost refreshing that you don't just have one fight. Like obviously, as boxing fans, we want to see who is the best. We want to see one fighter there, like and say like this is the number one in the division. But we haven't been able to do that because of. Like the upsets, um, obviously, there's a bit of mild boxing Twitter uproar that Warrington is like mm. getting the, getting the world title shot before he's avenged his loss and all. You know what I mean? But yeah, like Warrington's already beaten Martinez, who has beaten Galahad, who Warrington had also beaten. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Galahad obviously beaten Dickens, who beaten Wood. Wood's now in the title <laughs> a title holder against Conlon, like, any of them, you just think, right, just throw them in, let them fight, like, let them go against each other. So, I know there was a bit of... Oh, I'm trying not to swear, trying to keep Tommy language down, but, like, a bit of bother with the, the unifying when 
Kanzu had the the WBA regular and trying to get him against Warrington for the IBF. Yeah. And but like even if it's not an official unification, like let the Wood Conlon winner fight the Warrington Martinez winner, and they're all on the same platform without going down that route of defending the boxing politics and the networks, etc. But these fights should be very easy and fairly straightforward to make. And based on what we've got so far, that they, they are. Like, there's no reason not to. It's like Warrington's now in a position where he's going to be absolutely chomping at the bit. He probably doesn't believe his luck that he doesn't have to face Kid Galahad again because that was a bit of a stinker the first time. Yeah, controversial no those fights. Yeah. He gets to fight someone who he's already beaten, who <laughs> by all accounts... Everyone's saying is past his best. He's over the hill, and he still keeps producing the goods. Mm. But he's now in a very winnable fight to get his IBF title back, without having to rematch Lara, who obviously took him to hell and back. Like it's just such a bizarre shift within six months, a year, or whatever. How long? How long it's been? No, it is. It is, and I think, like you say, it was probably you know pretty easy one for them to make this one Martinez wanted to do you know what I mean like Martinez is in such a mad position now for like uh, just you know that was one of the upsets and the and the knockouts of last year it was incredible really um, and look at him now he's like <laughs> amazing Kiko Martinez world champion in uh, you know 2022 it's it's just mad but like I and I get I get there's some uproar about it and you think Warrington's coming off a heavy defeat then it sort of stopped draw, you know, and then going straight back into it and I guess it will leave a sour taste for a lot of people and Laura was a fighter that I was, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed watching him when he, you know, he was class that night he beat Warrington and I hope it's not the end that we, we hear of him, do you know what I mean? Like, I hope he goes on to something good as well and or, or does it next, do you know what I mean? At least give him the shot that he probably definitely still deserves, do you know, but I guess that's the, the nature of the business, isn't it? And the power that, you know, they've they've got. So, I right, it's Warrington Martinez 2, March of 26th. Um, you know, I, I'm doing it, I'm going to do it again. I'll probably write Martinez off just, which could be foolish because I haven't seen much from Warrington in the last two fights, but you just think, God, should be, if he's got anything left about him, should he be beating Martinez in 2022? You'd have to say yes. You know what I mean? In front of his home fans, first direct arena, will be bouncing. It's I. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's but it's it's probably last chance to lose for him. Do you know what I mean, Martin? Uh, he has to win it. Really has to win it. If he loses this, or you know, then that's three fights without a win, and it's he's not looking good, is he? But win it, and he's right back there. He's world champion. He's right back in the mix. So I uh, another like you keep saying, fight with plenty of question marks about it. Really, that's again like, coming back to that, reiterating that same point. But I think it. It deserves to be reiterated because Matchroom have done it very, very well. And obviously with DAZN here, like you're looking through that schedule and there was, well, Vargas Smith, obviously not anymore, but like counting quick, <laughs> counting quickly, there's like six competitive main events. And like we obviously haven't even mentioned like Estrada Chocolatito and like we'll get on to Ortiz McKinson. Like, but um, Lawrence Acoli fighting as well like yeah yeah it's it, that to me is using their stable very very well now the issue might come with filling the undercards and, and padding out those as events and try you know what I mean but like that's not my concern if I'm sitting in for a night of boxing those main events alone are worth the equivalent of a couple of quid each because like for your eight pound they're all within the next couple of months yeah, oh, absolutely. It's, it's almost once a week, and like if I'm paying for some sort of service or whatever, that's like the I dare say the minimum that like I expect or want. But like I have no issue with that whatsoever. I think when it when they have a problem is when it gets a little bit leaner, and you're looking at those fighters. Will they all be out three or four times a year? Like obviously not. They won't be. That that's the the reality of it. So when we get through February, March, see what they produce for April, May, and obviously the cycle continues again. I think, you know, at the start of the year when you've got a clean slate and you're, you're releasing your schedule like that, it's sort of, you can only really do that sort of once a year. You know what I mean? Once you get into the cycle and things are flowing week to week, it's something else gets announced, then that gets put at the start. It feels almost like a fight camp announcement. you know what I mean? Like, this is what I've got. This is what I know is set in stone and this is what's happening. Whereas, like, you know, when we're in the March, April, things will just keep getting fed out. you know what I mean? This is like, 
this is me stall, this is what's happening, this is set out. So, like, get your head around it all type of thing, like we sort of did with Fight Camp on the podcast last year and that. And so, I, it's 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 decent. And like you say, we haven't even touched on, like, a Coley and that yet. Um, do you want to take the floor for the Mackinson fight? Yeah, um, I can do. And I think I'm going to link it to, obviously, the Conor Ben sort of rumours. And it hasn't actually been announced, has it? There's nothing for no. confirmed about Robert Guerrero yet. But hasn't, no. I'm going to link it a little bit to that because... In terms of Michael McKinson, you've got a boxer who's in a very similar position to Conor Ben in some ways, obviously very different in others. But if you look at them both as sort of, I'm going to loosely sort of stream this as like world level prospects on the fringes of world level, looking to make them mark, got decent ranking with some of the sanctioning bodies. You've then got the <laughs> the similarity sort of end there, to be honest. But then you've got the big difference of the profile and I think McKinson tweeted something earlier about saying like he's, he's now headlining in America and he's, he's done that off the back of selling very little tickets and, and struggling yeah. to sell lots of tickets and that ultimately is why he's going off to America to face this like stateside absolute killer at welterweight in Virgil Ortiz for anyone listening who's not aware of who he's fighting yeah. like, another sort of unproven admittedly but very dangerous prospect and then you've got Conor Ben being linked with fighting the ghost of Robert, the ghost Guerrero. Yeah. As, as the home fighter with almost every seeming, seemingly every advantage in his favour. And it, it's where the sort of inequality lies in boxing. It's not a meritocracy. You don't necessarily get what you deserve just based on what you do in the ring. It's a hell of an opportunity for Mike McKinson and one that I'm not going to write him off as easily as I sort of maybe previously would have done. Mm. I think if you look at it on the face of it, you've got a real sort of feared, avoided power puncher against a very light-hitting, skillful yeah. boxer. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think, again, if we talk about these sort of questions that you ask going into a fight and, and in the build-up, it's basically, is he going to have the... Or is his skill going to be enough to keep... Ortiz often for 12 rounds is he going to succumb to his power or is it that his own power because he has dropped fighters before he's put them down and yeah. then gone on to sort of outclass them is his own power a little bit underrated and is it going to be enough like similarly to what we're saying with Conlon Wood like is that going to be enough to deter Ortiz and to frustrate him and, and pick him off and I think you're basically looking at a an Ortiz stoppage or a McKinson win on points in terms of the fight. But once again, you've then got two undefeated fighters at a similar level. Again, that sort of fringe world level competing. Like, as a fan, I don't want any more than that in a main event. It's a it's a legitimate main event fight. No, I totally agree. Um, I'm a huge McKinson fan. I've sort of banged that drum a while on here. I like watching him. I think he's... he's not everyone does, but I do. I think he's, as you say, a stylish, elusive fighter. And, <clears throat> you know, he might be Chris Congo, but again, no one seems to want anything to do with him. So, you know, but he's, he's took his chance. He's going over there. And I think, like, it'll be a hell of a, you know, uh, a win if he, if he can pull that off, like an amazing win. We, we touch on, on here every so often about the, you know, the ratio of probably isn't great for Brits going to the States and, you know, coming back with wins, but if he can do it, it's a, it's an unbelievable win and puts himself like generally right in the in the picture, and it's it'll be a huge win. Um, again, you can sort of be fooled, I guess, by looking at the record, and you know, well, people will argue two two stoppage wins from twenty one fights. You know what I mean? Well, do the math, but uh, you know, maybe he's not the biggest hitter, but as a fighter, you just don't know what his ceiling is. And that's the that's the intriguing thing about him. He could be like a, a generally like class act, but like, you know, he's looked very, very good so far, but there's, it's the jump. Do you know what I mean? Three fights go, he's finally your call. And it's, you know, on the MTK Brentwood shows and stuff, and it's, can he make that jump now? Like the biggest jump of all and go to the States against a, a fearsome puncher, like you're saying, and pull it off. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's intriguing, but it's, it's one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. and I think, you know what, he probably knows he's not going to, he's not a ticket seller, he's not going to 
no one's wanted to take him to Portsmouth. Do you know what I mean? No one's talking about Fratton Park and this and that. And that, you know, you know what I mean. Like I'm sure he's got his loyal fans, and of course he will have. But some, he, he's realised this is where his his chance is, and he's rolling the dice and he's going for it. He gets beat, he comes back over here and he's got fights again, like he did against Chris Congo. And that we touch on it pretty every other podcast we do about that stacked division in this country. So, but good on him, rolling that dice. This is the thing, though. This is the this is the sort of fight that will elevate a boxer above domestic level. Like if he goes in there and performs well, as as unproven as Ortiz is, but if he goes in there and shocks him and and gets the win, like he's catapult. Like I know he's very high rank, highly ranked with the WBO anyway, but he then catapults himself into that position where he's knocking very loudly and very firmly on the door of a world title shot. Now. As you go up in the division, the title, the world titles, like there are, they are tied up. Obviously, you've got Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, uh, you've got Ugas as well, just coming off the win over Pacquiao. Like, I don't see anyone. Well, I don't see anyone outside of Spence and Crawford beating either Spence or Crawford. Um, yeah. I think I think they'd both beat Ugas. I know that's talked about um, Errol Spence potentially unifying with him. If the belts are all tied up between Spence and Crawford, then it's going to be a bit of a waiting game for everybody else unless they want to take that risk and like, they may well do. Like, obviously, we just said there, McKinson's taking a hell of a risk going over and, and fighting Ortiz. But you then got like the similarity, as I say, between Conor Ben. You'll have all these sort of fringe WBA, international title holders, WBO, IBF, whatever, all the different sanctioning bodies. These guys and these prospects sort of getting into the high teens, early 20s level of fights and suddenly thinking, oh, well, there's not really anywhere for me to go. Like, if you go back all the way to Mikel Brook, like, well, how many title eliminators did he have just sort of ticking yeah. over and waiting for these IBF shot? And obviously there was cancellations, postponements and stuff, but it seemed like literally years that he was due a world title shot. And I think it might be, we might see something similar here. I think if Ortiz does win, then... Like you said, there's there's not going to be any shortage of opponents for McKinson, but it's it's how he performs. And if he goes over and loses like a close competitive fight, suddenly he's he's not necessarily in the same position of being as as attractive as a, as you know. I'm not going to be able to take his all. I'm not going to be able to yeah. be the one who's who's ended his undefeated and start to the career and all the rest of it. But you'll still be a a problem, as his nickname suggests, and. Hopefully, it, like, he does well financially out of it and he, he just come back and, and get the fights. He's not coming back into sort of the abyss and, and being avoided. And hopefully, again, like from a promotional side of view, Matchroom do have a, a long-term sort of viewpoint to him and, and where they're going to get him and where they're going to position him. Because the cynic in me suggests that this has sort of been done, not maybe with the sole purpose of guiding him away from Conor Ben. But there's at least an element of that because he's one of a few domestic level fighters. And I say that just basically being based in Britain. I'm not saying that in terms of where he's fighting or like what level he's at in the ring. But like you look at Josh Kelly, Chris Congo, McKinson. Yeah. Avanessian gets thrown in there as well. Like being sort of linked to the UK. Yeah. These fighters that don't necessarily have the name value for Conor Ben to get in the ring with. But you could argue would all give him a very competitive fight and a more competitive fight than a shot to shit Chris Algieri or potentially Robert Guerrero's we've been hearing. Like, and I think from that sort of profile point of view, they don't have the value to fight a Conor Ben and, and make that money. Like, it's not worth the risk of Ben losing a fight, basically, at this stage in his career. Like, Matruma aren't they're not mugs by any means, of course they're not, but they're not going to make the same mistake that they did with Josh Kelly. And I know oh, the amateur no. background and the pedigree yeah. was totally different there, but like for a European title fight for Conor Ben now, as much as I hate saying it, it's not worth it to him having him in a, in a competitive fight. Like there's not a chance, going back to what I said earlier, that they would be sending Conor Ben over to America to fight oh, Virgil no, Ortiz. No. Like, mm-hmm. what a fight that would be, though, with two punchers going at it. And like, and then having McKinson, who I would bet my mortgage on, beating Chris Algieri, 
in 2021 or Robert Guerrero in 2022. Like, yeah, because of that situation out the ring, because of the the, the lack of name value, the lack of ticket sales, etc. Like all of that sort of thing that we know, and everyone who probably listens to this podcast knows all about and all too well. Like that just sees them going a totally different path. Yet they're still at, they're at a similar level. It's 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 fascinating how it works from from the business the business point of view from that 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 aspect of it. No, absolutely. Totally hit the nail on the head. It really does. But you know what? Good on him. He's, he's took it and let's just, let's see how he gets on. I wish him the best of luck. I think it'd be an amazing story if he pulls it off and he obviously fancies his chances. But let's see. Um, it's, it's another good one. Um, what else? Should we should we move on to Sky? Do we... Or do you want to give a little mention to a Coley? He's on there as well. He's on the schedule. Obviously, Coley will... Briefly look at that one, then we'll we'll move on quickly to we'll have a look at boxers and Sky Sports' upcoming schedule. Lawrence Corley is on there. Um the O2 on what day is he on? 27th of Feb, end of the month. Takes yeah, on Yeah, again, that's what I mean. It's 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 jam-packed to be honest. At the beginning, like if you've got three out of four weeks each month, we're, we're yeah. boxing on like, you can't knock that. And again, it's it's not quite at what I would sort of, you know, if you think back maybe five years ago when like the UK had, was it 13 or 14 world champions across all the different divisions and that. Yeah, yeah. It's not really anywhere near that in terms of the number of belts we've got, but like you've got a Coley there as a headliner and is it a legitimate world champion? Like right. you've got nothing there where, like, again, obviously you, I'm not going to claim to know anything really about his opponent and stuff, but like, if he's going to be fairly active, he fights two or three, like, three times this year, you don't mind these sort of routine defences. Like, I know they've made talk about Bradis and stuff, and, like, if that fight happens next, for example, in the summer or later in the year, yeah, like, you can, I can hear Eddie Hearn's voice in my head saying, like, oh, you know, it's all, it's, I've got world, champ, world championship boxing across three different weeks or whatever it might be, like, it's a perfect selling point. It's a, it's a great little, and I don't want to say filler in terms of like disparagingly, but or disrespectfully, but it, it's a great little filler event. It's like if I'm, as I say, as part of the overall package, yeah, I don't mind parting with my cash for that and, and looking forward to it. No, great. I don't know much about his point either. Mikel Sieslak, Siez, should have probably pronounced this, tried this before it came on. Yes, luck. Anyway, got one defeat on his record, and that was against Macabu, um, Polish fella. Um, again, don't want to see what I'm disrespecting him by brushing over him, but it's a fight that, you know, just solely judging off his defeat to Macabu that you would expect a Coley to, to win. Um, I'm sure there's probably people that have seen him a lot more than me, so if anyone has seen him, you know, give us a shout. You know, do you expect him to give a Coley some problems? Do you not? Is it another Coley sort of walkover job? Um, who knows, Coley? I am I'm a fan, to be honest with you. I think he's he's improved it so much. And um I think sometimes in life you in boxing you can uh, be guilty of you know keeping a fighter's performance in your in your head for, for a long time and sort of I do it, I did it with Connor Ben and said with Payne, oh, do you know what I mean? That it always comes back up there. And a Coley for, for a long time, it used to be the Matty Askin fight, you know, the bloody dreadful, dreadful fight. But you know, since he's 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 moved trainers, he's went with uh, McGuigan, he's He's really, he's looking a lot better than he was. He's like a lot sort of better on his feet, planting his feet better, you know, using that power and stuff. So it's a fighter that I enjoy watching at the minute. He's got some brutal knockouts on there. 14 from 17. So I, as you say, these people need fights and it's part of the game, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, defenders, mandatories, etc. So, yeah. I think he's, obviously he's changed trainers, as you mentioned, but I think he's probably learned a bit from those those scrappy, dull fights. I, I know, I know you mentioned asking there. I didn't know if you mentioned the Isaac Chamberlain one as well. And yeah, it's almost yeah, yeah. like when, because of the attention that these these prospects get, especially the the matchroom stable, that you've almost got to be flawless every step of the way. Yeah. And, and that's not realistic. Like that's not going to happen. He's he's got through those fights. He's he's, he's won them. He's got through. He's he's, he's as I said, I said like learned a bit from them. And like we've seen him in person a couple of times up close and. He can be absolutely devastating and he's obviously got that power. He's got the size and the strength to go with like a very decent amount of skill. With his attributes and with Shane McGuigan, obviously seemingly a good fit in the coaching side of things, 
he's in a fantastic position. It's it's an underrated division. It's it's one where you've got a lot of these sort of it just tends to be historically these Eastern Europeans that produce the goods at the top end. And obviously we've had the like two seasons of the WBSS Super Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um for whatever reason, there doesn't seem to be the money in the division. It's it's obviously very close to heavyweight and, and bridge weight, if you're going to acknowledge that crock of shit. But like the the reward obviously seems to be just that little bit further north, putting on a few more pounds and, and obviously yeah. competing in the glamour division, which Corley physically seems like he will be able to do at some point. But as long as he can make two hundred pounds, I think he's, he's going to be a problem for anyone. And you look at these names like. Meris Bredis is sort of the number one de facto fighter in the division at the minute. Not getting any younger, like mm. it's it's there for the taking for a Coley. I wouldn't be surprised to see him unify, get a couple of belts, and then then look to venture up to heavyweight. It's um, he doesn't hang about, does he? Do you know, no, what I mean? he's in a, he's in a great position. And when we just talked there about how many fights he's had, like how few fights he's had compared mm. to well, I suppose a very similar amount to Conlon, and we like both competed in the, the Rio Olympics or maybe that around that 20 fight mark or under the 20 fight mark isn't necessarily a massive amount is it you know what I mean the progression that, that he's made and got to world title level within that that little run picking up British Commonwealth European titles along the way yeah like yeah so he's had a couple of boring fights like so what like that's going to be the very least of his his concerns at the minute isn't it like uh, I think anyone, like you say, who's done it, that traditional route, you know, always gets a nod of respect in it. You know what I mean? You said so, that's any of the Olympics, any of the Olympians from 2016. Oh, by, 20, oh, by the start oh, of 2022, yeah. you'll have won all yeah. these belts. You'll be undefeated. You'll be headlining shows. You'll have got be world champion. Like the, every single one age. of them deals on that. <laughs> yeah. You can't ask for more from them, the big man. All before the age of thirty. It's not bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ makes you <laughs> makes you think, doesn't it? Did he used to work at McDonald's? <laughs> anyway, not now. But anyway, Quan, let's quickly move on. Ten to seven. Let's well, twenty minutes. Let's go. Ten masters. Right, so from the, the future of boxing and looking ahead to um Khan Brook or Brook Khan. Well, I've been calling it Khan Brook today, I think. But, you know, this would be the type of thing on a YouTube channel where we'd have, like, some sky graphic flashing across and Boxer and all that. Anyway, here we are. We'll move on to see what Sky and Boxer have lined up for 2022. It's still, you know, gets, still takes some getting my head around that, if not match room and Sky. You know what I mean? But anyway, here we are. And to be honest, if things go their way, they're coming out of the traps pretty strong. Um should be a little asterisk next to that, but you know, we'll come to that in a minute. But Saturday, the 5th of Feb, I think that date is still pretty much provisional at this stage. I was reading yesterday that um, Sky Boxer sort of badgering the Welsh government really can they do Liam Williams, Chris Eubank Jr. in Cardiff on Saturday, 5th of February? Mm. I think it's still a bit up in the air with the sort of regulations and the guidelines, but that is the date that's penciled in at this point for Eubank Williams. Love that fight. Like cracking, just one of them 50 50 ones, like two domestic lads. I don't know, is that harsh calling domestic, but who've sort of flirted with the higher levels but not quite got there yet? But bit of needle between the two of them. I think regular Sky Sports Saturday night, cracking, love it. Um, gonna bypass that one for a second. Uh, Saturday, the 26th of Feb. Um, the long, long, long awaited unification. I say unification, but not unification at all. Josh Taylor putting all of his belts on the line. Great that, spin on that one. Yeah, not you know, you know what I mean? Putting all his belts on the line against Jack Catterall, who seems to have been mandatory for about five years. Um, it got delayed towards from the back end of last year and has now landed on the Saturday, 26th of Feb. Um, both huge fans of Josh Taylor. That's in Glasgow. That'll be absolutely bouncing. I'm chuffed that he's having this sort of homecoming fight. Big night in Scotland. Um I've always been me cut his teeth, to be honest. Served his time, waited about, waited a bit more, and now he's finally got his big chance. But uh, to me, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be a special, special performance to dethrone Josh Taylor in Scotland. Like, um, but again, it's got that Scotland in England thing about it. You know, it'll be, I think, it'll be a slow burner, maybe. But the, by the time it gets here, I think it'll be one that 
you know, I'll be up for definitely, but a huge fan of Josh Taylor. You know, if he's on my telly on a regular Saturday night, then I'm buzzing. Do you know what I mean? And Catterall, I just think it's a step too far. I can't, I can't see him do it. I think I can't see anything but a convincing Taylor, Taylor win on that one. Like, anyway, that's sandwiched, uh, sandwiched in the middle of those two is, is the Battle of the Old Timers 2022. It's finally happening. Uh, some would say, Bloody 10 years too late, some would say five at least. Um, Amir Khan, Kelbrook, Saturday, 12th of February, Saturday, 19th February, sorry, Manchester Arena, Sky Sports box office, which I keep forgetting, and that annoys us every time I realise it is. But <laughs> there it is. That's that's what Sky coming up the blocks with. So 5th, 19th, 26th of Feb. But let's go now. Brook Khan, Khan Brook. You, you go for it because this could take a while. Go on. Breath. Honestly, when it got made, I scoffed and I was like, "What? Oh, no, no, you warmed to it. Go on. No, right. I'm, and it's it's like for me, it was a case of like, oh, it's just too late. Like it's too little, too late. And then I'm like, is that little bit like better than nothing? Is is it a case of like too little, too late, or is it better late than never? And when you've just you've just sort of knocked me back a little bit, knocked me off my stride, and like Listen the fact me, that it's yeah. it's pay per view, it's like I always try and judge a pay per view ahead of time because that's when you've got to pay your money. You can't yeah. judge it in hindsight and say, oh, "I wish I'd paid for that" or "I wish I didn't pay for that." Like you, you look at it and you you think like, and as a uh, as a bigger fan of Khan and Brooke as I've been, like. Don't think I can justify like saying like it's a good fight or it's a relevant fight. I think like both of them are well beyond their best. It's probably the only fight for both men that where we will potentially see anything close to their best yeah. because the dislike in the needle is genuine. They they will hate the thought of losing to each other like. That will go on until they're in the fifties or sixties. Like, yeah, I think we've seen in in recent outings from both of them. But like, if we look at Khan, I think his heart's there, his desires there. He's just not the boxer he once was. Like, he's always been susceptible to a shot. He's always been wobbled by varying fighters from the likes of Willie Limond up to Marcus Maidana. Like, they've had him in bother. So that's not necessarily anything new from him. It's just the the accumulation of punches over the years and the accumulation of hard, clean punches over the years, that's always going to be a big question mark around Amir Khan and his chin's not going to have improved any <laughs> going into this fight. Well, that's true. On the other side of it, like, Kel Brook, there have been question marks over his desire, over his heart and maybe his commitment to the sport. Like, the Terence Crawford fight, and it seemed mental to think that Brooke fought Crawford like as recently as he did. Oh. He didn't seem to me to be the fighter that was biting down on his gum shield and willing to dig it out. And you can label that at him, that criticism at him in, in all of his losses. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm not judging him by normal human standards. Like 99% of the population would not have been standing there against Gennady Golovkin or Earl Spence taking the shots that Brooke did. But I'm not judging him, as I say, against 99% of the population. I'm I'm looking at him as a world champion, or as the case may be now, former world champion boxer, someone who was at that elite level, who I've championed as much as any British boxer over the course of following the sport. Like, I, I genuinely thought he was elite. Like He could have been in the pound-for-pound pound list. He could have been doing what like the likes of Josh Taylor's doing now, a division lower. But whatever reason, it never quite came to fruition for him. And... I do think he's got genuine hatred for Amir Khan. I think, as I say, if there's any opponent in the world that's going to see him training as hard as he can and getting, like, putting himself through that 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 pain and that, and that torture one more time, mm. it's this fight for both men. But even with all of that, I can't look past the fact how faded they are compared to where I once, like, the esteem in which I once held them. They're yeah. not at the best. That there's the chance that this is going to be like a, a Bellew here thing. Like, will one of them absolutely like, collapse and, and 
crumble <laughs> in the ring. Like the yesterday's that, men out, yesterday's men out there, and you know, they're probably the last two standing now from that generation. Like, you know, Groves is gone and Bellew's gone, and they've all hung up the gloves and it's it's them two left now and like as entertaining as the back and forth and the the, yeah. the mind games and all the rest of it'll be. And there is a we use the word narrative way too much in, in boxing. There is a real storyline and a real backstory here for both of them. But to me, that still doesn't change the fact that this is largely irrelevant. Yeah, well, but it is. I've just about to say it. There's nothing on the line. There's not even so much as a, I don't, that could be wrong. But there's not like a bloody international this or an eliminator this. It, it literally has the feel of an exhibition. It's there's There's not like, I haven't even heard any of them stop like even pretending to pull the wool over people's eyes and going, oh yeah, I still want to win a world title and all this. It's like, it almost feels like, I think an exhibition, like a battle of the oldies or something. It's, you know, maybe that's harsh, but that's how it is. No, I think on the one hand, that is what might motivate them more. Like they're not Mm. even looking past it for world titles or anything. Like I dare say neither of them are short of a few quid either. Like obviously this is going to be financially worth the while. That's why it's going on on box office. But like that's, that's by the by, like there is just a genuine dislike of each other, and it's almost like I think there's there's still going to be I don't know how many times we we'll talk about these questions and question marks dotted around. Should have sprayed them all over the YouTube thumbnail, but like whoever wins, it's almost reduced a little bit because of where they both are in their career. It doesn't matter, like. Yeah, no, if, agreed, uh, yeah. If yeah. if Brooks eye socket, his face, whatever, crumbles under Khan's boxing and peppering him with different shots or whatever, it's like, well, Brook was shot or he was past his best or his face was a like yeah. you know what I mean? He's a shell of what he once was. If Brook knocks Khan out, which I'm leaning towards, that's my prediction. I'm I think I've always thought Khan's got the the skill and the speed, but I just think Brooks got had his number, I think. Style stylistically, you'll catch him at some point and you'll catch him clean. But like even that, it's like, well, how many times has it been done before? Like, there's no other than this personal rivalry, there's no even real glory in it for that. It's just the whole thing seems a bit diluted. And if if Matchroom were putting this on, Mm. there would be a lot more criticism flying around, in my opinion. I think it's a obviously there must be a financial thing, you know what I mean? One last payday for both both of the old fellas. I keep saying that it's the only fight for both men mm. that makes sense financially, yeah. like personally, however they want to view it. I don't see anything else out there, like you were saying, like talking no world titles or stepping to or anything. It's like get this done and then yeah, like retire happy basically for the winner, and obviously. Yeah. For the loser retire because you've got nothing left to give. Like they'll always have that option, I guess, of being someone's cannon fodder in the states, like Crawford Brook. Do you know what I mean? Well, can yeah. I, uh, can as I, I, as I was saying but, that, the name that we've or a name we've discussed already on the pod, if they can make it financially worthwhile for the winner of this fight, I would not be massively surprised mm. to see them in with Conor Ben at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. mm. I think that basically following that trajectory of uh, his recent opponents got us quite excited that one <laughs> I think, no, and, and it speaks volumes of just how far I believe Conor Ben has come that I'd be yeah. picking him to, to beat either of Khan or Brook because a year or two ago not a chance in hell that that even is competitive never mind favouring Ben but as of right now or as of end of 2022 early 2023 yeah, Ben arguably goes in as a fairly heavy favourite. Oh, absolutely, that's it. And I think, think you know, the closer it gets, and what a month and a bit away now, I think you know, um, as I keep saying, I keep forgetting this pay per view, and you know, the price, no one's asking us for me money yet. But I think the closer it gets, the more scrutiny there probably will be on the undercard. And I think this could be one thing that could possibly you know, come back to bite boxer in the arses, maybe the lack of depth. In this stable, I think at the minute you've got a pro debut, Fraser Clark, you've got Brad Ray on there and a couple of other names. A lot of TBAs on there at the minute. And again, people are going to be wondering how much it is and how much they're going to be charged and for what. And, you know, and like it was a common thing for pay-per-views and people always, you know, well, who's on the undercard? And it's like, 
Brad, like, yeah, I don't Brad Ray, but Brad Ray plays a Clark's debut. People were like, people might be like, oh Christ! I don't even like, think they'll try and make uh, a big effort to fill it really, and it's a no. bit sad and mummy, as I say, and that that'll go into a lot of people's factor, like their decision factor, their decision making for this one. Like, I think it's one of those like if you're paying for that, you're almost paying for it for like for old times' sake, just to see Carl Brook fighting. Well, that's it. I know you're right, aye, and that. Um, it's an interesting point you make though about the, the boxer stable because obviously they are very much in the early days of, of forming yeah, that and, and building it and mm. like if you look at the sort of flip side of the zone I think obviously it's hard to factor this one in as a, as a big plus even if you're up for it because it's pay-per-view but if you've got like Eubank Williams on if that one happens for example then you've got Taylor Cattrall normal Sky Sports as you say I don't think that those fights are any worse. Like you could compare, say, Taylor Catterall to a Coley defending his world title. It's a, on paper, potentially routine world title defence. Well, that's it. I and know. then you've got Eubank Williams compares a bit to sort of Wood and Conlon, that sort of level of fight. Like, as we said, two sort of British and or Conlon Irish, obviously, um, fighters in a competitive fight that you can sort of make a case for both men. There's a bit of a comparison there, but then if you were to back one of those two entities to rinse and repeat, mm. Matchroom have got that little bit more depth, haven't they? Like, I don't know necessarily what's happening with all of their, their lads, but say like the Liam Smith fight, that gets potentially rearranged. Yeah. You've then got Joshua fighting at some point, hopefully. Um, obviously, Usyk, the rematch there, that's looking to happen at some point mid this year. Um, Dillian White up in the air at the moment. Um, Anthony Fowler obviously headlined last time out he could still be in a meaningful fight if he wants to come back in a competitive fight I mean not necessarily a world title fight or anything like that but I'd say Matchroom have got that little bit more depth where they could potentially fill another five or six dates in the, the, the next sort of quarter the second quarter of the year Absolutely um, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I guess that's something we look at on a later part you know like another like wish list and stuff like that but you know I've just went on there for went on frankwarren.com and clicked events and there's literally nothing there so it's like you know I was almost like, going to say I feel bad for leaving them out but then like, well, there's, nothing announced, there's nothing to talk about is there really ah, an out of day post up with Smith Jr and Callum Johnson which obviously we know is now not happening Smith Jr that fucking speaks volumes doesn't it Jeff Rod I and he's not announcing out yet and I know he's flirting some dates out there for Fury and Avanesian and but at the minute, nothing announced. But so we can't really go there. But as you say, just you know, there's a lot of moving parts at the minute, and like Probellum are making waves as well. So it's you know, there's a lot of boxing is just all over the place again. Like there's going to be fights basically once we're through this dry period of of January. It's going to be busy and busy on all platforms again. And I think that's the way we like it. You know what I mean? So oh, 100%. When, 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 when he announces some fights, obviously we'll give it due coverage it deserves. But <laughs> no, yeah. platforms. Obviously, there's this lingering news that um the zone purchasing BT Sport. And well, mm. that if you're just strictly a boxing fan, you're probably not going to be happy with that because it's going to see the Champions League and the um yeah. Premier League come over and probably bump up the price of your monthly the zone subscription. Jesus but man. for for the likes of us, and I dare say a big chunk of boxing fans who also follow football. You suddenly got a much more attractive proposition there, and hopefully more money coming into the zone, so these better fights get made on there, and then able to maintain, as I say, that this early sort. How that works with Frank Warren, and that, I don't know. Like how that, like I can't imagine the zone's going to be like, okay, come on, Frank. You know what I mean? That, that's it, yeah, that's initially what around. I thought, but then I, I, I don't know. But it's because then do you just amalgamate? Imagine like amalgamating that into one. And stable, like got a WCW WWF takeover, putting them all right. together and like invasion angle and all the rest of it. Or is it then up to Frank to sort off the box nation on the equivalent? Well, still gun. It's honestly like there was some tweet. Was it what tweet was it? Was it Martin the other week? It was something like death taxes and the rebirth of box nation. Or you know what I mean? Or death taxes and box. And it's still going. Honestly, it's still a thing, which is just. Incredible, really. I don't know how, but it's still there. There's not really much on that website either, but it's still a still a thing. You know, you've got free sports, premier sports, picking up the pro bellum stuff. Um, basically, every household in the UK, that you know what I mean? Like, everyone has free sports. So, 
like you know everyone with the telly basically so I it's we're not going to be short of, of boxing to get into and obviously you've got Hennessy Channel 5 still doing good things as well but um, at the minute we've got very little there is boxing on Sky this weekend um, early hours Sunday morning Joe Smith Jr as just mentioned there against it battles me head this but Steve Jeffrod, <laughs> it's like you don't sing Steve Jeffrod, Jeffrod, Jeffrod. Yeah, yeah, his name then. But I, that's all. If anyone wants a box and fix and set the recorder and stuff, there's other stuff on, like you know, Gary Russell Jr. I think is back, but nothing of massive, massive interest to us from a, from a British point of view, anyway. But um, has just asked a question there in the chat first um, one tonight, actually. So it's uh, Frank and Frank not going back to ITV. Jesus, you're rolling back the ears there, don't I? Cap in hand. Might have to at some point. Well, don't this I? is the thing, like you mentioned Channel 5, and obviously like ITV is another one of these terrestrial sort of platforms that they seem to dip in and out, don't they? Like, there was ITV the whole link up that. with Eubank fought a few times on like ITV box office or whatever that was. That, that wasn't yeah. sort of long-lasting. And there doesn't seem to be this, this long-term commitment by the... The terrestrial oh, channels. Obviously, we know boxing's a niche sport, and it's on the sort of periphery, which is why the streaming platforms are looking at other sports and trying to get football rights and stuff to, to boost their sort of their reach. And like boxing alone is not going to make you money as a as a TV company. I would said because it doesn't do the numbers. Like unless you get a superstar in the likes of Joshua or whatever, yeah. Like, it doesn't do the numbers like for oh it's brilliant the Joe Smith Jr. Oh, fight like obviously would have held a bit more interest if, if Callum Johnson had um been in there but I looked when you were talking about the Sky content and stuff there is a, there's a couple of decent little international cards on in that but there's not going to be enough to, to move the needle for Sky and it's probably why Sky over the years put more of their eggs in the matchroom basket they got less and less of the international content and it seems they're, they're now sort of dipping back into that to almost counter what Matchroom are doing over on zone, try and have that slightly different angle and like, oh, we're yeah, we're getting the big fights again. And it's, it seems, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like it's something that they want to do necessarily. Otherwise, they would have kept that up alongside the Matchroom stuff. Could be interesting though, because then on the flip side of that, there's people that, oh God, this isn't the angle I was even going to get into in this part. This is a whole new podcast, you know what I mean? But uh, you like, there's like I was last year, and there's you know, there's people that feel pretty alienated from the zone at the minute, you know what I mean? And like, it's only this new schedule that's made me want to get it again. I'm not a the zone subscriber at the minute, I cancelled it, you know what I mean? So, people, oh, I was the same, like we said that at the top, didn't we? Back in the last year, Back in the last year, I was just like, I have not a clue what's on the zone. I don't know what's coming up, if anything, you know. I was just like, I felt a bit, I think it was when Chisora Parker was on. I was at the, the show of Raiden Meadows instead. And it was like, I just felt totally alienated from that card. But I'm willing to start this year fresh, as we always do every year. And, you know, judge what comes up and judge what gets announced. Um, but again, we might as well just keep doing these every week and just filling it in until, you know, you know, until the actual boxing starts. And next, you know, talk about the... 2022 wish list or dream fight or whatever next week and you know have a rant and see what comes up there may be more announcements do you know what I mean I think that there may well be next week so that's probably I did put that in our little heading that we're going to do a 2022 wish list but we haven't really got round to it so I'm just going to put you on the spot now one fight that you want to see made this year boring but might as well go a few you say all the marbles heavyweight just do it you know what I mean like why not uh I was going to say yeah. Spence, Spence Crawford, just ah, avoiding Spence the Crawford, British like... boxing blog angle. But, like, yeah, I mean, they're the two big ones, aren't they? Yeah. There's always that little shadow over boxing that you get these really, really, you get a lot of good fights. And we've just talked about what is lined up so far. A lot of very competitive matchups there. But when you don't get the very best fighting the very best, there's always that little asterisk and it just sort of bugs you a little bit. No, absolutely. Like, again, but are you. <clears throat> oh, Christ, Travis Crawford's been in the news this week, has he not? You know what I mean? So God knows what his immediate future uh, happens with that, uh, with his lawsuit against Bob Aaron, but which is mental in itself. But um, I, you, 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 you want these fights to, to not go past the sell-by date, and you know, fingers crossed they won't, like a certain one we've just talked about. But I, um, good to be back. Good. To, thanks for Jamesy for the question. Um, but I, let's again. I know we say it all the time, but let's keep. Uh, Trying to try to do them, you know what I mean, regularly, and hopefully try and get some guests on as well in the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely get a few things lined up, and that doesn't have to be um for this 
podcast and that, that doesn't have to be boxers or trainers or anyone within the sport. Like I think I'll put a few tweets out today and we'll, we'll put a bit more out during the week. Like if anyone does just want to join on and have a bit of crack and oh, yeah, no, ask us some questions or, or answers to give your ideas and opinions as well, like more yeah, than happy, like more than area. We could do Twitter spaces for that as well. Just jump on there every so often. It was good the last one we did until the Wi-Fi crash. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with that as well. Good maybe, do, um, maybe it's post-fight anyway. It's 10, yeah, uh, yeah. Happy days. But, uh, next one. Good to speak to you, Andrew. Hi, right, you too. See you later, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.